0: hello and welcome to another edition of dual candle radio with Lenora Sarver. We've got a lot to read, a lot to learn today, so if you're interested in that, stay tuned in. All right. Well, I don't know about all of you, but today's been a fairly good day. I've been able to stay on schedule. Uh no interruptions, no sidelines, no 50 million phone calls. I've shut all that off, which has been kind of nice and peaceful. And then I can actually focus on doing some research and doing some studies. Um, I don't know what the weather is where you are, where the listener is. But I know today we woke up to 28 degrees just to have it warm up later and you could actually start peeling off layers. And I think right now it's about 55, 60 out there now, but that looking at this current weather pattern that we're having actually brought me back to some of the prophecies that I had released over 10 years ago. Um, It's around 2011, 2012. And what the prophecy was is we were going to have such strange weather patterns that In the morning, it would be winter. In the afternoon, it would be summer or spring or vice versa, wherever you were. But it was basically warning people, hey, bring a backpack. Be prepared to put clothes on. Be prepared to strip layers off. This is where we are. And I mean, to me, reading back over some of my older prophecies just scare the crap out of me because I don't know how detailed I am being whenever I'm releasing these. So whenever I look back over them and I see the detail, it's like, whoa, it's scary to me because I'm like, oh, wow. (laughs) So I really have to get into prayer. I have to get geared up just to get enough nerve and courage to read back over these because I know a lot of what I suffered just having the visions, having the dreams, and then writing them down. But then, you know, to go from that point and actually live the visions in the physical, you know, realm, the real life, and it's like, whoa, whoa. You know, I was tearing down my Facebook and noticing the same things, and I had to take a break. I was like, whoa. Because this stuff is, to me, it's it's scary, it's unusual. But at the same time, whenever I see them, it's like there's nothing I can do or that I know to do to stop what I see from happening. And I feel a state of utter helplessness at times because all I can do is release this. I can't make it stop. It's like whenever I knew we were having that bad winter, Um, about six months ago and I'm releasing it and I'm like, Oh my God, we're going to have brutal cold. You know, it's going to be extreme. Well, I didn't realize to what extent that I was prophesying until I got to Christmas weekend and it's 40 below zero. And it didn't matter how high I had the heat on or what I did. I was still buried under tons of blankets, just trying to stay warm. And whenever I went to start my vehicle, it didn't want to start. I mean, it was really cold. And I was going to say, okay, all right, Lord, I'm done with this. You know, I'm going to pray against this. And he stopped me. He said, you cannot pray against what you have prophesied forth. So here I am the next couple days. He goes, it's only going to last a couple days. But here I am the next couple days. I couldn't get warm. And I was just grumpy. (laughs) I thought, man, I need to be careful what I prophesy about. But it's very difficult to know what you're prophesying about, how bad it's going to be, what the extent all you know is the part you see in that moment. But, you know, I, I'm on the East Coast of the United States. It could be way worse. I was just reading a story a couple hours ago and I I was floored because I knew last summer God was releasing to me, I think it was um, July, uh, 2022. And he was releasing to me about how California was really going to get hit this year, that they were on the docket for some extreme weather. But you know, some of the goals, the goodness, if you can imagine goodness coming out of this, because I'm looking at all the stuff they've been going through. I mean, they've been state of emergency after state of emergency. They're actually doing tax deductions now to help you know, the people who are just trying to repair their lives after this. But the goal was to replenish the reservoirs, as hard as that may seem. And I know that seems like a lot of crap to go through just to replenish the reservoirs. But this is planet Earth. This is how God made things. Um, And then I'm reading today that Mammoth Mountain got 74 feet of snow. (laughs) 74! Now, if you look... Say if you go to Hollywood, and you look at the Hollywood sign up on the mountain. Okay, go ahead and measure that. That's 49 feet in the air. Go ahead and tack on 25 more feet. And that was the height of the snow. Now, I knew, what was it? I think it was back in September. And I saw a picture of snow all the way up to the top of the power poles. And I thought, oh, my God this is going to happen again. I feel it. I see it. Uh, And I really think the 74 feet was Mm -hmm. a little bit worse than the snow being up to the electrical poles and telephone poles. Um, one, you know, if there's anything good, I can say this point right now is I know what God was releasing. Um, couple weeks ago he says you know the atmospheric rivers that's about to dry up the snow that's about to wrap up um and because of all this we're actually going to have a delay in the you know having fires and and stuff like that that usually happens around this time um there's actually going to be a delay with that but with that tornadoes are going to take forefront so that As soon as I released that, it was like all these horrible tornadoes were just popping up. And we were already having tornadoes prior to that. But I don't think it was to that measure. So, stay prepared. Stay weather ready. Stay weather alert. If you have to, get your cell phone. Set up your weather alerts. Get everything packed in. Make sure you have water. Make sure you have food. And I mean the type of food that will last It's not going to spoil because you forgot it in the car on a hot day or something. Get something that's going to withstand the climate issues that we are facing right now. This is not getting easier. This stuff is going to intensify times three each year until it is brought to its completion. All I can tell you is to get ready. I am no longer going to be on Facebook giving you folks heads up. I'm going to use other means, my website, my blogs, and the radio. Those are the means to get everybody together and ready as much as possible. But let's move on to uh, today's message, which is going to be April, the month of renewal. And just the word renewal rings such a happiness in my spirit, because I know there's many of you who are struggling more now than you have in an extreme long time. And I'd like to say that struggle is coming close to an end, but we have those intensities along with the weather that is taking the forefront as well. And that is going to be hanging over the people. Because what we're doing is all these intensities, all these trials, all these tribulations that we're dealing with right now is building up to more, Prophecy being fulfilled, and I'm just going to go ahead and say in the book of Revelation. Okay, we'll just put it like that, because people really can't handle a lot of this information. They don't need more bad news on top of the bad news they already have. I get it. But through all of this, Jesus is our hope. Okay, Yeshua, Hamashiach, is our hope. But we have got to kind of be in a mess before the Messiah and I'm not talking the real one appears. Okay? So just bear down, get ready, weather it out. That's the best way I can prepare everyone. Now, April, the month of renewal. This is going to be kind of a break for some people around the world, just for some. There's going to be many of other of you that are just going to be keep getting hammered. I'm sorry, but that's what I see. I wished I could say, oh, everything's going to be beautiful with rainbows and cotton candy and bubble gum. And oh yeah, nada. It's going to be the road of ease. No. That is far from the truth. I can't even say it's going to be peaceful right now. Just what? Get ready. Weather it out. That's the best way I can tell you right now. So, what's so special about April? It's not just, it's the month of spring. It's when winter is normally over. It's a wrap. The flowers start blooming, the air gets fresher, the days are longer. It's the month of the first fruits. And for the Jewish community, it is the month of renewal. Their celebration of Passover, from when Moses delivered the Jewish people from slavery. And every year around this time, closely related to the full moon, I'll have you know, they make a celebration. Of being renewed, being rescued, (laughs) and redeemed. But also, for the Christians, this is also the ultimate month of redemption. Because Jesus proved himself by being resurrected on the third day from the grave. He put under him all evil, sin and its power and everything by rising. So we have a lot going on this month. But you see, many do not know the original meaning behind April or Easter. And a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of pagan traditions mixed in with this easter celebration and they just kind of tacked it on to jesus and his resurrection we're just going to put it all together that way everybody's happy well you know god doesn't run with half truth he runs with full truth but many half truths will run along his full truth but it does not mean he is going to stop and recognize it we just got to stick to what he is doing His originality about the situation, because he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So none of us are going to come in on the scene and say, Hey, God, why don't we, you know, add the Easter Bunny and all this. If you do your research, if you actually apply yourself and trace back the lines and where they go to, where they all originated from, why we are here today, how it all started, etc., then you will find not everything is of God. There's a lot of pagan traditions. And we're gonna get into that. We're gonna this is gonna be informational packed. Okay, I'll just go ahead and let you know now. So pull up a chair, get you something to drink, get you something to uh eat, and take notes if you have to. It's entirely up to you. But a lot of people don't realize that. And the Gregorian calendar, which is April, would be this month. It would be the month Nisan for the Jewish calendar. Um, April was named after the goddess Aphrodite, born from the sea's foam. Now I'm going to stop right there. Um, It's not that, you know, I, I have hatred or anything like that. But if you've worked with demonology... If you've worked with exorcism, then you understand that there are water spirits, there are marine spirits, and anything born from water, foam, or marine has a demonic tie, it has a demonic root. You know, you have, for example, Romanian witches, they go to the lakes, they go to the waters to receive the spirit of witchcraft. Um, You look in Nigeria, Many of the curses, many of the doctors that they have there have received either from demonic spirits, the curses, or have received the demonic spirit themselves in order to portray a dominion over that area to where they can answer and do all these spells and tricks and everything else to manage the people. But it takes identification to know what's what. Now, she is also known, the goddess Aphrodite, is also known as Venus to the Romans. was the mother of Aeneas, who fled Troy to Italy and founded the Roman race. So this has a lot of history tied into it. Um, <clears throat> let's look into something else. Let's look into an example of why it's, to them, to the pagans, it's so important. To have these celebrations in line in sync with what's happening. Um, Easter is a celebration of the spring equinox, while Christmas celebrates winter solstice. Pagans lived their lives in strong accordance with nature's rhythms and patterns. So solstices and equinoxes were sacred times to them. But you will find out that these solstices, these equinoxes, and the celebrations with You know, the pagan ways are closely tied in together with birth, fertility, the ability to have children and keep the race going. Um, Eggs, rabbits, we are on our way. We are going to get there to a broader definition now. We're going to look up a website that I found earlier while I was doing research for the show, and it is Chevin. and I believe this is out of Australia. This is the pagan origins of Easter while Christmas was a celebration of the winter solstice. Easter was a celebration of the spring equinox for the pagans and then it says pagans lived their lives in strong cortice with the nature's rhythms and patterns and solstices in the equinoxes were considered to be sacred times. A solstice marks the longest or shortest day of the year while an equinox symbolizes the day when there is balance between daylight and darkness hence one of the joys about coming into spring is the days get longer and you don't feel so suffocated by everything going dark at five or six o'clock in the evening. <laughs> um, this shows the end of one season in the beginning of another. In the northern hemisphere, Easter falls on the spring equinox when winter is coming to an end and nature is experiencing a rebirth and renewal. This is naturally a cause for festivities and celebrations as the darkness comes to an end and plants and leaves start to regrow after the cold winter. I tell you, there was nothing better because I remember in my younger years, I was an apple farmer. There was nothing better than the apple blossoms blooming all throughout the orchards. And I'm sitting there walking, you know, either in the tractor or else I'll take a break and I'll get out of the tractor and just walk through and the petals flying through the air and just the smell of the fresh apple blossom and just everything is alive and it's brand new and it's just, it's a great time. And to be able to experience that beauty was such a blessing to me. It literally caused me to work even more because I enjoyed tending to the land, you know, just something nurturing for me and kind of therapeutic because there's something about sticking your hand in soil and just wiggling your fingers a little bit. It just does something for me. Um, but I loved it. I love the newness of the earth, especially in spring because spring and fall was my two favorites. I don't know about you guys, but let's see. Let's keep going and looking on Chef and Link. It says, how Easter was adopted into Christianity. There we go, adoption. It says, around mid-300 AD, Christianity was increasingly in popularity in Rome, then the center of the world. In 312, the Emperor Constantine converted to Christianity and put an end to the ongoing persecution of Christians. However, he knew that just because he had converted, it didn't mean that pagans would stop following their rituals and traditions. So, he slowly started to adopt existing pagan rituals into Christian festivities. There we go, folks. This is where it all began. In 325 A.D., The Church Council, known as the Council of Nicaea, I hope I said that right, first decided that Easter celebration should fall on the Sunday after the first moon of the spring equinox. And thus, Easter Sunday was born, and symbols associated with the nature's rebirth and renewal came to be associated with the rebirth or resurrection of Christ. Where does Easter get its name from? But the most in most of Europe, the Easter celebration gets its name from the Jewish festival of Passover, which occurs at a similar time to the spring equinox. So in Greece, Easter is called Pasha. In Italy, it is called Pascoa. In France, it is Pascus. And in Denmark, it is Pasque. But in Germany and English-speaking countries like England, Easter took its name from the pagan goddess Eostre, the goddess of spring and fertility. And it talks about Easter symbolism and foods, and then that's when it comes to... Now we've come to understand Easter's original nature as a celebration of spring. The symbolism starts to slowly make sense. Let's take a look at where Easter's symbolism came from. Eggs are a symbol of new life and rebirth, just as nature... Returns to life after the cold of winter, or Jesus is resurrected after the crucifixion. (laughs) Okay. This is where I almost can't agree with them putting Jesus in the mix here. Yes, it was a renewal, but it was also a confirmation. It is finished. When he was up on that cross, he was doing what the devil and everybody else tried to stop him from doing and that was coming to the world and being the sacrifice for the the sins of the world and establishing salvation and the new covenant with mercy, with grace. It is finished, but yet the beauty of everlasting life through salvation was born So it's really hard for me to agree that an Easter egg is going to do this. Just saying. But it says, why is Easter associated with a rabbit? It says, now the eggs may make sense, but how did a rabbit come into all of this? This symbolism can be especially strange when you consider the fact that rabbits don't even lay eggs. But it all ties back to the concept of fertility, rebirth, and renewal as celebrated by the pagans. And the sacred symbol of the goddess Estre was a hare. And rabbits have long been considered a symbol of fertility due to their ability to reproduce quickly and in large numbers. But the first official mention of rabbits or hares in association with Easter was only made in 1722 in a folklore book written by George Frank Vaughn, Frankenau, a German writer. I hope I said that right, because I don't know how to speak German. Um, one of the stories recounted in this book mentions an Easter hare that hides colored eggs for children to find. The first written mention of the Easter egg hunt since the book was a collection of folklore, it's reasonable to suggest that Easter egg hunts were already accustomed At the time. In the 19th century, the greeting card industry experienced a boom. This was because more people were able to send and receive letters and parcels by post. As a result, card companies like Hallmark started to really market particular holidays with fun and festive greeting cards. Easter was one of them. Cards started to appear with cute illustrations of rabbits and Easter eggs popularizing the connection between Easter bunny rabbits and colorful eggs. So, but we still eat chocolate on Easter. What's the meaning of that? Well, so when did we stop eating hard-boiled eggs and start eating chocolate eggs and bunnies instead? Around the same time that greeting cards were booming in Germany, it was popular to eat sweet edible Easter bunnies. Though these were made from a sugared pastry, at the time chocolate was consumed as a beverage rather than a solid sweet and was still rather bitter as cocoa is known to be. However, Cadbury, then still a new company, was experimenting with solid forms of chocolate they jumped on the easter bandwagon and started marketing chocolate easter eggs we never stopped eating them and today chocolate easter eggs and bunnies are one of the easter's biggest treats and then it goes on to different foods like the hot cross buns um, we have easter foods from around the world because it says, not everyone spends Easter gorging on chocolate bunnies and going on Easter egg hunts in the garden. In lieu of being able to travel this year, why not take some inspirational from various Easter foods from around the world? Um, basically, if you were to hire a private chef, they could create the masterpiece for you. But it says... has uh, codfish cakes from Bermuda, a 15,000 egg omelette from France, um, dove-shaped Easter bread from Italy, lamb eggs and braided bread from Greece. I mean we really have a variety of how people celebrate this around the world, but it all circles back to original pagan traditions. So let's see what other information we have. Let's look at reformjudaism.org. I know a lot of people say, well, if you believe in Jesus, why do you, you know, follow Judaism? Why do you value that so much? It's like, well, reading the Jewish ways and the Jewish traditions helped me to understand what Jesus said, what he meant, what his actions meant. Say, for example, whenever they opened up um, where he was lying after they, you know, crucified him, and they noticed that the, the sheet that they had over his body was folded. It is actually a Jewish tradition and Jewish way that the Jewish servant who was in service to the Jewish master, that is how they knew when to clean the tables. Is if the napkin they were using, the master was using, was folded up nice and neat, that meant he was coming back to finish eating. But if it was crumpled up, then that meant the servant could go and take away all the food and clear the table and start cleaning up. But that was the unspoken instruction to the servant. This way, the master was not interrupted whatsoever. Well, Jesus left it folded completely up. And that meant he is coming back when he's ready. I don't know when he's coming back. Nobody knows. Only God knows. But if you hear somebody saying, hey, you know, He's coming back at this date, this time. Well, they are wrong because we know what it says in scripture. And that's, that's pretty much where we have to keep things in perspective. If it's, if it's not in scripture. You know, even Revelation said it best. Whenever John was prophesying, he says, anybody who adds or takes away. Okay. Because this isn't made for that. This is made, and it's going to last. I don't care what happens. That word is eternal. And it has lasted so many ways, so many years. And it's not going away now. For those of you who had your hopes up. Hopefully there wasn't that many, but you never know. All right. We're looking at reformjudaism.org. And it talks about Passover history. It says the holiday of Passover, Pesach, in Hebrew, is perhaps one of the most central to Jewish life in history. Now, if you do your research, this is one of the oldest celebrations and holidays. This is interesting because there's like three of them that I found. This is one of the oldest. Even Jesus attended Passover. Even I like attending Passover. Passover, it's not only the food is amazing, because literally matzo ball soup is the answer to any bad mood, (laughs) or if you're freezing to death, hey, eat some matzo ball soup, but you can eat lamb with mint sauce, the food is all over the place, and the wine is delicious, because it's Jewish wine, Or, you know, they have options for, you know, grape juice, if that's what you would like to have instead of wine. Um, For Passover, it is traditional to drink four cups of wine uh, throughout the service. Because you're going through all the plagues, and you're eating food that was associated with the plagues as an honor and a remembrance to how Moses delivered God's people. So if you ever get a chance definitely go to a Passover event. It's usually about a four to six hour long process and you get to eat like a king at the very end of it. And you get to learn all the ins and outs of the plagues and what all Moses did. And to me it's fun. I enjoy it. But hey, if you've never experienced one, I encourage you go experience one. But then it says here, um, more widely observed than any other holiday, Passover celebrates the biblical account of the Israelites' redemption and escapes from 400 years of Egyptian slavery. It's a long time. Could you imagine just the people crying out and wondering, when, Lord, when, Lord? And it says, holiday rituals include a dramatic retelling of the Exodus story and many unique food traditions. We come together with friends and family to celebrate the great lessons of the story, the blessing of freedom, and the reminder that since we were once slaves and were freed, it is our responsibility to learn, to work for freedom for all people everywhere. And it's just like, you know, It's a basic concept that I've known with God. He blesses you to bless other people. He releases you out of the chains of bondage to go and help other people get released out of the chains of bondage. He redeemed the Jewish people for the Jewish people to move forth and help redeem the nations. Because basically the Temple Mount sets on the navel of the world. That's why that is such a powerful place. And it says the word Passover is derived from the Hebrew word Pesach, which means passed over, referring to the 10th plague that killed the Egyptian firstborn, but miraculously passed over the houses of the Israelites, more and below. But basically, whoever was out brushing the blood on their doorpost were passed over. So the firstborns did not receive the plague that was coming through. And that was a really... And if you ever watch the movie, um there's quite a few movies out about Moses and hell and the Ten Commandments, etc. If you ever watch the movie, your hair will almost raise at that point. Because you feel the shadows and of death, everything just coming through that city, and you're like, oof you know, I, I couldn't imagine being alive back then. Because that would just be scary for me. But It says, found in the Torah, the Passover story tells of Israel's slavery, deliverance, and escape, the exodus from Egypt. The story begins with Joseph, son of Jacob, who was sold into slavery by his brothers and arrived in Egypt as a poor, powerless servant. Joseph's wisdom and his ability to interpret dreams soon brought him power and status. And this right here is just proof, because a lot of people feel like, you know, i got to do all this work to get myself up the ladder to where I get the power and status because God gave me the gift. But that's not how it works. God already put into play, along with granting you the gift before repentance, that the gift will go and make room for you and place you before great men. Okay. All you have to do is learn how to operate the gift through the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit be your teacher so you can learn God's way and get God's success and will out of this gift. It's not just for you. It is for the world. But it says, His entire family joined him in Egypt, as did many of the rest of the Israelites. There, they prospered and multiplied for many generations. But a new king, Pharaoh, came to power in Egypt, who did not remember how helpful Joseph had been. The Israelites' numbered, numbers had greatly increased over many years. And the new Pharaoh was suspicious of them, fearing they would someday rise up against him. So he would treat them harshly. Forcing them to work as slaves in terrible conditions. Nevertheless, the Israelites survived and continued to multiply. Now, if you think about the harsh conditions, I mean, they're out in the Egyptian sun all day. God God only knows if they were getting breaks or if they were at least getting water or something. But that is some brutal conditions. And that just says, you know, through Christ, I can do all things. Because if the Israelites can push through brutal conditions like that, and still multiply and be blessed, that is God making that possible. So basically, dismayed by their fortitude, Pharaoh took harsher action, declaring that all sons born to the Israelite woman would be killed at birth. The courageous Israelite midwives, Shifra and Pueh, defied this decree. But the infant boys were still in great danger. So basically, this goes on to say, over time, and It says, growing up in the palace, Moses knew very little. So basically, Moses was a firstborn and had to be put in the river, and the Egyptians found him and raised him. Now look at God taking the very danger and fear of the Pharaoh and having the Pharaoh raise him up Don't put anything past God. He can do anything, anything. But if you keep reading here, it goes on to all the, you know, different plagues. And, you know, this is a crucial time for them. And God wants us to put in remembrance, his deliverance. And this is what he commanded the Jews to do. It's absolutely amazing. Amazing. But let's read a little something else real fast. Let's go to the Mashiach, Messiah. And, because there is some people who believe that um, there is Jewish writings indicating that Yeshua would come in the month of Renewal, the month of Nisan. Well, Let's look at the Messianic idea in Judaism. He says, Belief in eventual coming of the Mashiach is a basic and fundamental part of traditional Judaism. Okay, so it is part of the Rambam's 13 Principles of Faith, the minimum requirements of, of Jewish belief. In the weekday, I hope I said this right, Shimone Israel, prayer recited three times daily we pray for all the elements of the coming of the Mashiach in gathering of the exiles, restore, restoration of the religious courts of justice, an end of wickedness, sin, and heresy, reward to the righteous, rebuilding of Jerusalem, and restoration of the line of King David, and restoration of the temple service. Okay, right now, this month, the red heifers are on display. They have to come to the fullness of their time, which is a two years, before they are ready to become ashes for purification for the eventual building of the third temple. This is where we're at with that right now. So we got a, just a little ways left. But as far as all the other temple services, they are reinstated. All we really have left is the building. Okay? And I've researched it. According to what I have researched, we're looking at about 18 months from. The first day of build that could be shorter. Okay, with the technology that we have, but the technology has to be tempered and set up in a way that honors a measurement that is no longer in existence, folks. That is where we're at with that. It's a raw measurement. It is actually noted as the measurement of measurements. Okay, That'll be another episode, Lord willing. But let's keep reading. Um, However, traditional Judaism maintains that the Messianic idea has always been a part of Judaism. So no matter what the Jews do, they're always preparing for the Messiah every day. It is incorporated into their day-to-day and their holidays and everything. And I would just encourage Christians to do the same. Incorporate everything into your life as Jesus will return. Prepare everything in your life that Jesus is returning and you are ready. Your wicks are trimmed. You have your oil. Okay? I can only just instruct you. But the term Mashiach means literally means the anointed one and refers to the ancient practice of anointing kings with oil when they took the throne. The is one who will be anointed as king in the end of days. And this has a lot more to go with it. But let's go ahead and look at what their definition of the Masyuk is. The Masyuk will be a great political leader, descended from the King David. And it says Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5. Meshach is often referred to as a Meshach ben David. Um, he will be well-versed in Jewish law and observant of its commandments, which would be Isaiah chapter 11, verses 2 through 5. He will be a charismatic leader, inspiring others to follow his example. He will be a great military great military leader, who will win battles for Israel. He will be a great judge who makes righteous decisions, and that's in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 15. But above all, he will be a human being, not a god, demigod, or other supernatural being. It has been said that in every generation, a person is born with the potential to be the Messiah. If the time is right for the Masonic Age within that person's lifetime, then that person will be the Mashiach. But if that person dies before he completes the mission of the Mashiach, then that person is not the Mashiach. Okay? So that just gives you an outline of what those in Judaism believes in the Messiah. Let's look at... One more thing. I'm going to look in Bible study tools. And it says the resurrection of Jesus, Bible story and prophecy. Okay. Now, a lot of people believe that, you know, celebrating Easter is celebrating Jesus' resurrection. Well, as we see a little ways farther back in the show today, where this all originated from. And it was Constantine trying to make way for everyone, but it also says in scripture, be not like the world, come out from them. So we don't have to stoop down to the ways of the world to get people to come to Christ. We are set apart and he uses his light, his favor, his spirit for attraction. So we can be fishers of men but then also be effective and have flavor and have salt in our day-to-day conversations. But what else does it say? Let's keep looking. It says the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a foundation of Christian faith. Yes, this is where it all began, folks. All of it. It says, without the resurrection, the belief in God's saving grace through Jesus is destroyed. When Jesus rose from the dead, he confirmed his identity as the son of God and his work of atonement, redemption, reconciliation, and salvation. The resurrection was a literal, physical raising of Jesus' body from the dead. So he defeated death. Thank God. But he also confirmed so much. As if to say, this is real. I am coming back. Get yourselves ready. Be ready. It says, Jesus was arrested, tried, and found guilty of claiming to be king. His body was hung on a cross between two thieves. After his death, Jesus' body was wrapped in linen cloth and placed in a tomb with a large stone rolled across the opening. On the third day, an early Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and another Mary came to the tomb and found it empty. Sitting on the rolled away stone was an angel of the Lord who told them not to be afraid because Jesus has risen. As a woman left to tell the disciples, Jesus Christ met them and showed them his nail-pierced hands. I mean, it doesn't get any more real than that. And I imagine if I was alive in that day, oh my goodness, I would... I would have to be the one that goes and pokes my finger. And it looks, is it real? <laughs> I, I just got to be that guy. I've just got to be that girl, you know. But it says "An Old Testament resurrection prophecies. So a lot of this is hidden. So Isaiah uh, 53, you know, there's a lot of things that just get skipped over. And if it's not in the initial Torah or the book of Nivim, which is the book of the prophets, um, yeah, that's where we're at. And it says, Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise, you who dwell in the dust awake and sing for joy, for your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead, Isaiah twenty-six nineteen. And then it goes on to say, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Oof. Daniel twelve two. Then it says in the next one, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt shew me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. And that is Psalm 16, 9 through 11. Um, then it goes on, this, that was the Old Testament, the verses that was speaking about the prelude, the build up to when the Messiah was coming. See, God, whenever he encouraged the prophets and the men of old through spirit his spirit, and they in turn spoke in ecstasy. Then, he did not leave us without hints and clues about how things are going to happen, how they're going to fall out. And the detail is mind-blowing. So we haven't even fully seen everything yet. You just hang on a little bit. Not many of us will make it to see the fullness, but It's okay. We'll be awakened later at that opportune time if we run our race now and just keep putting God first. But then we are at the New Testament resurrection scripture. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that's First Peter, uh, chapter one, verse three. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. That's First Thessalonians, uh, chapter four, verse fourteen. Folks, if we realize to believe in this resurrection is almost like sealing the salvation. We have to believe that he lived. We have to believe that he was resurrected and brought up from the death three days later. And once we do, and it's not even something we have to work that hard to do. We just have to know inside the the size of a mustard seed of faith that, yes, this is real. This happened. And we have so many people having, you know, um, sudden death experiences. And they leave and they meet Jesus and they come back and they say, oh my God, this is really real. God is doing this to reinforce that you are not having faith for no reason. You have every reason to be where you are right now. We'll look in Romans 8:11. 11. Uh, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And that spirit will also quicken your mortal bodies. If you just reach out to him in your most excruciating times, he will empower you to do what you didn't want to do, to do what you know you couldn't do, and do what you thought you could never do. You hear me? We'll look in John um, chapter 11, verses 25 to 26. This says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you? I do. Because I know what he's already done for me. I know too much for me to go into a state of disbelief Now. And this is why, if it ever got the chance to where they say, "Hey, do you wanna do you wanna give up your life because of your belief in Jesus Christ?" And I'll look at him say, "Hey, I got the perfect haircut for a beheading. Let's rock and roll." Nothing scares me like that anymore. But basically, Matthew twenty-eight is uh, where more information about um. Jesus and the resurrection and it's a really beautiful story because he went through a lot for us and those dire moments towards the end where Jesus thought God forsook him. He said, why hast thou forsaken me? Take this cup from me if it be, not, be in your will. It's because he was carrying the sins of the world and God could not look at him. Just being in that moment, though, where God can't look at you. To me, it's an excruciating, painful place. And I can definitely see how he'd be crying tears of blood in the garden. I can definitely see from my experiences and where I've come from. But if I can put all this in a nutshell, folks. Basically... All this is around the full moon. And if we can take anything from this, okay, is this is a time of renewal. This is a time of redemption. This is a time to give honor to our God from what he did to secure and seal salvation to where our hope is eternal. There is nothing taking that away. We can't go back in time. We can't rewind, redo everything. It is finished. Thank God. But basically, around this time, don't start intense conversations. Don't try to start any new uh, jobs or anything like that. Basically, this is a time where you are released from horrible circumstances. You are renewed into a new chapter. But this is a time that you don't try to push or pull. You go with the flow that is already in place and just enjoy, embrace, enjoy the company that you have, that you've been blessed with. And more so than anything, give God praise. Because at this time, you know, tomorrow is Easter, at this time, Jesus finished it. He completed, no matter all the you know, circumstance and tribulation he had to go through just to get to this point. He was beaten Ugh, just to a bloody mess, and he did all of this for you and me. This is the time to put everything aside and be thankful and then embrace the time of renewal because if you've been going through a horrible battle right now, right now, everything is coming to an end. There's a lot coming to an end with that. So get ready for the next page, get ready for a new chapter, but you don't have to be the one creating the new chapter. It's already in creation. So just go with the flow enjoy spring and its beauty and enjoy each other. And most of all, enjoy your studies so you can see how we all got here or keep listening to my show and you know, I'm doing some studies, but I can't replace all the footwork for you. Okay. <laughs> you still got to get and do that in email every day because it's more than just me getting up here and, doing all the hard work and the research and and putting it all together in a show. It's beautiful to establish a genuine relationship with the Lord. And if you don't gather anything like this out of that today, um, then gather this. Be renewed. Be redeemed. And you're a deliverer. He is the one who is going to make all things new. Just hold on. And keep things in purification. Keep things purified. Don't get too sidetracked with the pagan ways. You know, stay on the narrow path. I know the narrow path is not too fun. I get it. But it's the way. So, and as usual, it is always a blessing to come into your homes every week and bring you a different message. And if you'd like to hear something else or you want me to do research on another topic, you know, write into the website put in the comment here at the show, however you'd like to do. But, Lord willing, I will see you folks next Saturday, same time, same place. God bless you, and happy Resurrection Day.